spend time with God every day. Every day. Every day. I will spend time with God. I will pray. I will pray. 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 I will pray. I will be holy. I will be holy. 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 I will be. I will be holy. I will fulfill God's purpose for me and my generation. My generation. My generation. I will fulfill God's purpose. God's purpose for my generation. For me and my generation. My generation. I will live the vow. So I want to throw out a few more of these tonight. So this is going to be seven more enemies of the burning heart. Seven more enemies. Say more. Seven more enemies of the burning heart. The first one is this. So this is, this is an enemy of the burning heart. In other words, you have set your heart on the course to be a man or a woman with a burning heart that loves Jesus with everything. And multiple things come against you over and over and over again. And over the last five weeks, we've given you five different things. Tonight, we're going to throw seven at you in one night. All right, hallelujah. All right, number one is this, spiritual contentment. Spiritual contentment. Spiritual satisfaction or contentment is the enemy to spiritual progress. When we find Paul, he talks about that he's learned the secret of being content in all things. And when he's talking about that, he's talking about contentment. With worldly things. So he's saying, I'm content with the shelter that I have. Or the money that I have. uh, With the clothes that I have. I'm content with these things. And so I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about one of the pains that that, that that, that will destroy your heart. Is if you become satisfied or spiritually content with the place that you are in the journey. In other words, if your life is to be like a crescendo where your heart grows more and more in love with God, if you get to the place where you are content with your walk, you're content with it, you will never grow and go further in God. And it's one of the key killers of a burning heart. Psalm 42, you know it well, says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so I long for you. A deer panting for water is a strong metaphor. For David to say that, He's not just saying, hey, you know, I've I've got a little bit of a trickle of love for you. He's saying, like the deer pants. (sighs) Pants is a strong word, all right? Like a deer actually, I mean, like, that's what he's saying. It's, it's, It's strong. It's like as a deer would pant, would run after water. So my soul, so my heart, so who I am longs, not, not desire. I mean, longs, aches, yearns for God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and stand before him? That yearning, that longing, that discontentment with where I'm currently at, the knowledge that I can have as much of God as I'm willing to give myself to, the knowledge that I can grow in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the the idea that God wants to give more to me, the idea that I could always love him with more, the idea that I could always sacrifice more for the cause of Christ, the idea that there's more he wants to reveal to me in the scriptures, that philosophy, that idea, that principle is so uh, needed to cultivate a burning heart. And one of the key things that will come against that, one of the key Killers is spiritual contentment, which essentially just says, I'm fine where I'm at. I'm in my routine, man. Here's what I do. I, I do my, my, you know, I blog my devos. Got the one minute devo Bible. Cruising along. Don't do a lot of bad things. Do some good things. But if you get to the place where you are, in a sense, spiritually content. It's one of the key killers to the burning heart. 
where I'm, I'm all right where I'm at. And I'll tell you, it's one of the things that the enemy wants to get you at. He wants to get you to that point where you think, I'm cool, I'm fine. And, and one of the evidences that you've reached that place is when you begin to become resistant towards people that study the scriptures in kind of a cynical way. It's when you're making, uh, giving a lot of reason as to why worship is just too mm, consumer-driven and why I might as well just listen to secular music. It's why it's all right to flirt with anything from godless speech, alcohol, anything I can do to try to get as close as possible to sin and a little bit of cynicism towards other things. You know you've reached that point when instead of overflow about Jesus, overflow about hunger, overflow about why we've got it, you start to kind of develop dialogue as to why it's okay where you are. And you really want to get doctrinally why you're okay where you're at. Because the person that's spiritually hungry isn't looking for a defense mechanism to try to defend why lethargy's okay. They're just hungry. They're just thirsty. They just long for God. That's a totally different way of living. So if you find yourself where you're trying to give defense as to why you're okay where you're at, that is not the Christian journey. The Christian journey is constant transformation in God. So the natural outsource of that is how can I have more of Jesus? How can I have more of God? And it's a doctrine, it's a theology of hunger rather than defense. Does that make sense? So number one is spiritual contentment. A.W. Tozer says to have found God and still pursue him is the soul's paradox of love. In other words, I found him and I still pursue. I've tasted and yet I'm hungry. I've drank and yet I'm thirsty. In fact, the more that I drink, the thirstier I get. The, The more that I feed on the word of God, the hungrier I am for the word. The more that I find the Christian friend that's beckoning me to righteousness, the more I want more friends like that. The rich get richer. It says to have found God and still pursue him is the soul's paradox of love. Scorned, I love that. Scorned indeed by the two easily satisfied. I'm content with where I'm at, man. Dude, I I sponsor a compassion kid. I got the one minute Devo Bible. And my girlfriend smiles at me, you know, I'm all right. No, scorned or mocked indeed by the two easily satisfied religionists, not Christian, but religionists, just full of answers, a lot in their head, nothing in their heart, but justified in happy experience by the children of the burning heart. If you've got a burning heart, you're justified in just the nature of spiritual hunger. And you'll have a thousand voices come up against you and resist you because it's so, they'll be resistant just because you are so threatening. It's like, dude, what's what's with your intensity? That will happen. Justified, the children of the burning heart, the burning heart is the reward. They're fine. They're just like, I'm content with God. Number two is this. Another one. Casual repentance. Thinking little of repentance. Lowering the bar 
well, God's omniscient. He knows my heart. How come I need to repent? Yet again, forming a doctrine of defense rather than a doctrine of hunger. How come I... No. No, as, as, a, as a person pursuing the burning heart, you are a person that repents often. <laughs> You're a person that just comes before Jesus, and, and you know that when you come before Jesus, Jesus, sure, he already knows that there's a sin. Sure, he already knows it. But when you come before him and you repent, you're saying, I don't want this, God. I don't want this in my heart. And so what I say is, hey, the bottom line is we already know. We already understand that Jesus knows all things. We already understand that Jesus wants to forgive. And so if you've said yes to God, there is absolutely no logic to be the person that runs from repentance. And if you, if you kind of embed sin in your heart and you choose not to be a man or a woman of repentance, there's, it's absolutely foolish. It's like when God comes to Adam, Adam has sinned and says, Adam, where are you? It's not that God doesn't know. Hey, Adam, hey, you little sucker, where are you? I can't find you. Did you we playing hide and seek in Eden? No, that's not what's going on. What's going on is that Adam is resistant. Adam is running. God's not curious. Is he under the plant? That's not what's going on. It's a rhetorical question. But we naturally want to pull back because of the shame. But let me tell you this. The way to keep your heart tender before God. Over and over and over again. Become uh, used to. Get, just over and over again become a man or woman of repentance. Just a habitual repentance. Just, yeah, bottom line is you are a sinner. And so for you to come before God over and over again and say, God, I repent of this. God, I repent of that. God, I repent of this. What the enemy will do is, the enemy will try to get you to get tired of repenting. Lie to you. It's like, dude, there's no point. But here's what happens when you stop repenting. You start to tolerate sin. Because once, once you've stopped repenting, you just get used to where you're at. Oh yeah, that's just me. And then you start to define it as your personality. And then, whether it be with your future spouse, with your friends, with, with the people that you work with, you'll, be, you'll start to define it as personality rather than godlessness. But we don't want anything in our personality that doesn't look like Jesus. So, if you come before God and you pray over and over and over again, God, I repent. God, I'm sorry. God, I repent. And you face a real person on a daily basis, you start to hate sin in a way that you don't hate it if you're not a person of repentance. If you come before God over and over and over again and you're like, it's me again. Hi. Day three. Hey, it's me again. Day four, and you really believe that God is true, and you really believe that God is righteous, and you really believe that hell is real, and the hell is hot, and you don't want to go there, and you really believe that God has eternal rewards for you, and you really believe that he loves you, and you really believe that Jesus died on the cross, and you really believe that he paid a price for your sin, you can go to heaven, and that he cares about the way that you live today, and you really believe those things, then everything inside of you wants to please him. Everything inside of you wants to come up for him and go, God, ah, I repent of greed. Again, repent of fear, again. And rather than your heart kind of getting cynical and hard, your heart gets soft, tender before God. So the worship songs are just an expression of what's already in your heart, rather than you thinking about who wrote it and how long it's been around and what the drum beat is. 
that make sense? Instead of your mind wandering and thinking about the first time you heard this song or, you know, if Brandon Bustamante's shirt is really in style or not because lines, you never really know. It's all swirlies now. Instead, what's going on is, yes, God, you are awesome and you are holy and you are true and you are awesome and you're connected. Don't be casual about repentance. Paul says in Romans 7, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? You know, that's in the process of just repenting, 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 repenting. It's okay just to repent, 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 and you come to grips with, I'm a sinner. I need Jesus every day, and every day it comes back to, I need God. I want God in my midst, in my heart, today. Number one. Number one enemy is spiritual contentment. Number two is casual repentance. Number three, apathetic friends. <laughs> Got an amen out of that one. Everybody starts nudging each other. You're out of here, man. I break off this friendship. Winston Churchill said, my best friend is the one that brings out the best in me. You're a Jesus follower. You want to be around people bring out the best. What's the best? Christ follower. They make you love God. Getting around them makes, causes your heart to grow in love. Never underestimate the power of your friends. You'll easily start acting like the people you hang out with. Period. Our whole staff has developed a British accent. <laughs> in the last six months. It's just true. You just begin to act like those people. You know, I watch it with my son. He acts like me, poor kid, you know, but you do it too. So pick your friends, be wise, be strong. Now, now I understand that not all of your friends are going to have a burning heart, but like Daniel was talking about earlier, you have a very, you have very clear categories as to the intentionality of your friendships. You're either a missionary, you know what I mean? Where you are like intentional you're like i'm going after this person for the cause of christ it's someone that doesn't know jesus someone far from god or it could be someone that's lukewarm but you're intentional I, my i am my, my intention in this friendship is to cause that you know smoldering wick that heart that's about to go out and not burn with love for god anymore to get stronger you're, or anywhere on the spectrum this person to get saved you're intentional or it's a fellow burning heart that it's, you're, you're, you're communing with them, you're fellowshipping with them, because when you get around them, you get stronger. The problem is all the friendships in the middle where you have no intention with them. And they're, they're dying, and they're, they don't have, they're lukewarm, and unless you're focused, you'll become like them. So you got two roles with friendships. One, man, when I get around you, you're a burning heart, I'm a burning heart, together we're stronger, that's one. And two, I'm laser focused on this unbeliever knowing Jesus, thus I'm their friend. Or this lukewarm believer becoming fiery red hot for God, thus I'm around them. But if, you, if your heart is with those, one of those two categories, those latter two categories, and you are not missional, you're not focused, you're just hanging with them, you'll become like them in time. Now, if you're focused, then you're going to bring them to where you're at. There, there are some friends that I have cut my friendship off with them, not in, a, not in a mean way, not like I'm breaking up friendship with you, not weird, 
But just like, I just, I, they're, they're not going anywhere. My friendship with them, it's, I, I mean, it's just, it's nothing. I'm not, I'm not influencing them. They're only going to be negative on me. And I right now have a, these other friendships that I can focus on where it's more Jesus-critical mission, where this person's responsive, where this person's a burning heart. Those are the friends that I choose to be around. And you have, there's billions of people on the earth. And the, the reply I always get, well, aren't you just leaving those people in the dust? Listen. You have a role to play. It's being a Christ follower. It's listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit and doing what he's called you to do. And because there's so many billion people on the earth, there's always going to be new relationships to form. There's always going to be people to reach. But if you use past friendships that are comfortable and you really like it and you justify your own lethargy and call it Christ-centered, then you'll stand before God for that. Do you understand that? So if it's not Jesus, you're not into it. Is that clear? You see the difference? John Wesley said, set yourself on fire and the world will come and watch you burn. You're responsible, have a burning heart, and you literally will light up the people around you. Jesus didn't come and look for disciples. He made them. He wasn't like, hey, where's, you know, where's Thomas? I hear, you know, that guy's got faith like a mountain, <laughs> you know, that can move mountains. No, no, he, he, helped, he helped Thomas go from the doubter to the man of faith. Where's Peter? You know, I've heard he's already got a fiery heart for God. No. He took average guys. And by nature of him being Jesus, <laughs> it transformed them. Are you with me? So your friendships aren't always, like everybody's looking for that friend, you know, like that magical friend that, oh, I get with you, brother, and you just caused my heart to come alive. You just love God. You're the friend I've always been looking for. Or the girl, you know, sister that just loves Jesus. You know, you write poems to God and just, oh. All right, no. Let me tell you something. The reality is, is that you won't find that perfect friend. You have to go deep in God and influence others. And you'll develop disciples and leaders around you. Don't always just be on the, I'm just trying to find that perfect friendship that's going to cause my heart to, to grow in love for God. No. Know Jesus and make those friendships and influence them. Does that make sense? And, 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 and so, anyway, so I, can't, I don't want to get stuck on this one, but re- this one is so big to me, especially at the age you're at. This is huge. Because you're at critical, critical, critical age in terms of friendship making. Don't take this the wrong way, but right now you're at a season where you're easily swayed. Because once you've lived for 40 years, you've made enough decisions, you don't have the freedom that you, want, that you had at 20. So you're just kind of, you're in more of a rhythm, your friends kind of look more the same. Right now, the ideology, the philosophy, the friendships that you make is so massive and important. I mean, it's important your whole life, but right now it's super critical. Because you've got just enough freedom that your parents aren't telling you, no, you can't be friends with that bad kid. <laughs> Right? Or I mean, I don't, maybe they do. If they do, I'm sorry. I just embarrassed you. Um, and you're like, oh, no. <laughs> I'm still in homeschool role, and I'm 21. Um, sorry, that wasn't ripping homeschools. I love homeschoolers. I have a... Can I tell that? My wife was homeschooled. And so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. Like, on one of our, like, maybe second or third dates, I made a homeschool joke. Oh. I regret that to this day. All right. So anyway, but it's massively important in this season. Um, your friends will influence you. All right. Number four. Here we go. Ready? It's another heart killer. 
excessive interests. You're just interested in everything. You just, you, you've got tons of hobbies. You love a, a whole smorgasbord of things. Because the nature of loving all those things requires time, money, and attention to stay up to date with them. And it's one of the biggest heart killers, especially in a globalized society like us, in a nation, a free market nation that has everything available to us. It'll kill your heart. Because following Jesus takes time and sacrifice. It takes your time. So I see the person that has all of these different things. It's like they're trying to keep like, you know, seven different plates spinning. And so they got to get, you know, they're keeping the job plate spinning. They're keeping the work plate spinning. They're keeping the, uh, you know, making sure they have the coolest music plate spinning, making sure that they blog every day, making sure that they have at least a thousand friends on Facebook, uh, you know, and so they're trying to befriend people they don't even know. And then th- you've got the one where, you know, you're trying to take this many hours of school. You're trying to, you're trying to stay this route. You're dating this person. You've got you to have a dating life. You know, you've got to look good. You've got you to dress well. You've got to shop. I mean, we're all shoppers. And you've got to have your hair looking good and maybe a mohawk. Anything that can, that, you know, can keep you. That, and you get all these different things. You've got to work out. You've got to keep your physique. You've got to make sure that you dye your hair so that nobody knows that you're going gray at 21. You, I mean, you've got you to do all the different things that you've got to do to try to keep everything, like, going, right? You've you got to be an athlete, and you've got to keep the video games going because you've got to be able to be, you know, past a certain level on Tecmo Bowl or whatever. And so you go, all these different things. You've got you to see the latest movies. got to read the latest bloggers. You've got all these different things. And you know what? When you said yes to following Jesus, it's a narrow way. And following Jesus takes time. And to keep your heart alive, witness to people, b- b- learn the scriptures, be in community, that's a sacrifice. Like, that takes your time. And one of the things I, that will kill your heart is just being involved in so many, so many things. And if you're involved in all of those things, in time you'll find your heart starting to, to, to be depleted, to go all these different directions. But if you'll spend time with Jesus... Every day, you'll slowly get addicted to God, and that will become more compelling. And Jesus will give you your focus in terms of the education that you need, or the ministry to the poor that you need, or the way to be evangelistic, whatever. But to do those things, to have a heart alive, to pray, to be in community, to, 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 to work the job that God's called you to work, to get the education that he's called you, it, like those things will become big, and all those other things will, stay, will start to become smaller. No doubt about it. Now, here, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying any of those things are evil, all right? I'm not saying, I mean, some of them are. But I'm not saying that um, having a mohawk is evil, thank God for you, all right? I'm not saying any of those things. But what I am saying is that a part of, even when David says, this one thing I do, this one thing I say, I mean, that I would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. He's saying one thing. He's saying it's predominant. When Jesus says, here's the number one thing, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, it, it, we are talking an issue of order. There is an issue of priority. And so those, you, you just can't, you can't keep a foot in all of these different things and, and have a, a heart that's just alive. We'll, now, don't get me wrong. I mean, there's some times where I'm not saying, like, if you're missional and you're focused into why, all right? Like, if Joe Couch is really focused on having a great car, all right, and keep maintaining it, sustaining it, keeping it looking cool, why? Well, because he's DLA director, and we want to make sure that all the DLA kids, you know, 
like his car, you know, because there's a mission for, that's all right. I'm not saying that there's, there's times and there's places where you have a mission for unspiritual things, all right? That's, but there's a purpose for it. There's a reason for it. That's fine. What, but if you have a multiplicity of all these things in time, you can't keep that up. You can't keep it up. One of the, one of the necessary things is that you narrow your interests. Jesus is one. One day your spouse is two, family's three, and then what God's called you to do. And then all those other things, they have very little grip on you. And in fact, the reason why you do them is because of the first four. (laughs) So you may be an expert at, you know, perfume because you're, Trying to impress your wife. You're missional, it's on purpose, that's fine. Do you, hear, do you hear what I'm saying? What I'm not saying is that, that these hobbies are bad in themselves. What I am saying is that in excess, so many that you're not focused is. All right. Number five, cynical thinking. I've watched so many people lose their heart in God because they became cynical. Jesus over and over again, I mean, he loves it when people are filled with faith. Whether it's children, and he looks at children, he goes, oh, I wish you guys had faith like a child. Whether it's the centurion, who wasn't, I mean, he wasn't a Jew. I mean, and so Jesus is like stretching it here. And Jesus proclaims, I haven't seen faith like this, not of Israel, listen to this guy. But the centurion goes, hey, listen, I'm a man under authority. I know that if you just say the word, my servant will be healed. And Jesus is like, whoa. That's the opposite of cynicism. But the temptation over time, hey, I've been in the body of Christ for 20 years. Hey, I was in the furnace when I was 22. Radical. I didn't date for a year. After the furnace. <laughs> Couldn't get a date in it or after. Anyway, and just joking, just kidding. All right, sorry, Michael Nolan. All right, so... Uh, Oh, I'm just teasing you, you know, just a leader's got a girlfriend, it's all awkward for me, y'all holding hands right there, I just don't even know what to say. So anyway, don't laugh, Kelly. All right, so, uh, so, so, okay, so what am I talking about? All right, so, cynical thinking, all right, so here's the point. I've, it's so easy over time to be, to, to, at one time you had faith, and like a child you had faith, and then you prayed for revival, you didn't see it. You prayed for the healing. You didn't see it. You thought that the Bible had a way and a life about it, that if I really studied the word of God, it would be like a river in my heart. But you know, there's a time where I believe that and haven't seen it like I wanted. And the temptation that the enemy wants is just for you to come, become a little bit cynical. A worship leader says we can know God and you kind of smile. And your friend says Jesus did a miracle in my life and you're like, okay, great. Great. And deep down, you're not resonating. If you have the happy for you, it means you're cynical. If you have the happy for you, rather than you celebrating with them, it means your heart's become hard. You're a cynic. And the enemy goes, gotcha. When Jesus returns, Luke 18, will he find faith on the earth? Not in your heart if you're a cynic. No, when he returns, you want to be a man or a woman that's got faith like a child. Temptation is over time become a cynic. 
You become a cynic about lots of different things. Don't know if we, you know, let's, let's sit around and, and, and talk about if we should really do a missions trip because after all, will there be long-term stuff? And I don't know, maybe we just shouldn't spend the money. And, and I don't know, what about, you know, the prayer gig? I'm not sure about that. And do we really want to tell people about Jesus? I mean, after all, like, couldn't Jesus save them if he wanted? I mean, he could like maybe send an angel and they could get saved. And let me tell you something. If Jesus tells us to do something in the scriptures, I'm one A-okay for us talking about it. But if we talk about it to the degree where we talk ourselves out of it and we're not obedient, then we're hypocrites. Jesus told us to pray. Jesus told us to go into the world and make disciples of every tongue, tribe, and nation. Jesus told us these things. And if there comes a point where we philosophically have discussion until we talk ourselves out of it, what we're really saying is, I'm smarter than Jesus, man. Obedience is a key. And the way that you stay obedient for 50, 60, 70 years is to keep a heart that's soft. You don't become cynical. It's hard. A lot of people don't want to worship. That's hard. I don't want to worship. God tells me to worship. A lot of people don't want to pray. A lot of people don't want to give to the poor. A lot of people don't want to fast. A lot of people don't want to believe those beatitudes. And we are on a journey where we've said yes. And one of the big heart killers is if you become cynical. And I'm going to go revert back to my other one a minute ago. And if you hang around people that are cynical, you'll become cynical that fast. Cynical people will make you cynical so fast. You get around, I mean, it's so easy to get around cynical people. You get around cynical people. I mean, I give it three weeks and you're a cynic. Unless you're intentional about being full of faith, breathing life. six rusty evangelism rusty evangelism jesus said in matthew 28 go you go you go into the world you make disciples you tell them about me you baptize them you teach them to obey everything i've commanded you hey don't forget this i'm with you to the end Well, I don't know, if Jesus wanted to, that person didn't know about him, maybe they'd have a dream, or they'd see a billboard that said Jesus on it, or I just don't know. No. Jesus told us to go. Paul prayed that we would preach, that he would preach the gospel fearlessly. Now, a guy that's going into prison, a guy that, for preaching the gospel, a guy that's being shipwrecked as he goes... A guy that's being mocked, and he's praying for spiritual boldness. He's mobilizing the intercessors for boldness. (laughs) How much more ought we? Evangelism isn't an option. No, that's not really my calling, dude. What's your calling? I'm a rock star for Jesus, man. I'm John Egan, too. Watch this. You know? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to lock myself into a room, play the guitar. I don't need to tell people, Jesus. no, you're, you are in the present tense, not just like through the internet. Like your life needs to look like Jesus in real 
face-to-face real life. What, not virtual life. I mean, real life. Like, we've kind of surrendered evangelism over to paid people on the internet and maybe music. Now you at Chili's. You at the bank that you work at. You at school that you go to. You wherever you are. And, and, and one of the things uh, we were talking this week and Jonathan Miller was talking about how for him, sometimes the Lord will give him something. And if unless, unless he gives it out, sorry, I'm stealing your sermon. I told you to preach this. Now I'm taking it. Unless, 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 he, unless he gives it away, he doesn't get more. The reality is, is you're created to be a conduit where God gives you stuff and you give it away. You, I mean, he wants you to tell people about God, to live in a way that demonstrates Jesus. And if you don't do that, you start to get rusty. You start to, all of a sudden, it, it, it starts to kill your heart because you just kind of become like a bottom feeder, you know? You just get filled up with stuff, but you don't give it away. Slowly over time, you, you, don't, you don't have the chance to, to grow, to get more from God. Your heart becomes dead. Rusty evangelism, number six. Number seven, last one tonight. Foolish dating. Many a young man, many a young man, 21 years old, fiery for Jesus, and foolish dating, dating for the wrong motive, dating because she's the only one that likes him back. Many a wrong motive, kill the heart. Because in a sense, we're talking about what we were talking about earlier about friendships, but we're taking it to another level. And Renata and I, when we talk, we, we, we go back and forth as we talk about this subject. And how many, how many friends lose their way? Some lose their way because they're so wanting to be married that it consumes them and they don't be, they're not obedient to Jesus because they want to stay in the environment where they think the future husband is. And so they don't go to the level that Jesus called them to. And so instead of trusting that Jesus will bring the right man or woman along, they don't really trust him for that. They've got to stick around the environment where they think their chances are the highest to meet them forever. I want to encourage you, if you'll follow Jesus, cultivate a burning heart. I'm going to talk to both men and women here. A, a, a burning heart that sees another man or woman that's a burning heart, it's really attractive. I'm just serious. I mean, you can just watch. And if you'll just go after God, they're so, the, the way is so narrow, and the people that actually have something to die for on the planet are almost irresistible. I mean, you just look at him and you're just like, that person, wow. Count me in. <laughs> and marriage, marriage is awesome. But don't make marriage your God. God's your God. And if you're committed for the 60, 70, 80 years, no matter what happens, you're in for him. You don't use Jesus 
and God to get a spouse. <laughs> Jesus is my means and she is the end, you know. That's a bad idea. And if you do that, a decade into your marriage, it'll be obvious. So fix your eyes on Jesus, narrow in, and then watch as God brings the right man or woman along the way. Just, he's my all, he's my everything. But here's what happens. Many a burning heart gets depleted as they do this. And it's so slight. Oh, but, it, but, and here's the one I hear all the time. But she's a good person. Shut up. Come on now. You don't want to marry a good person. Put that on your blog and read it. <laughs> you, you don't want to marry a good person. You want to marry a man or a woman that is lovesick for God. Because you know what? Uh, uh, love, th- th- you need that, that person that's passionate for Jesus because, and, and this is going to sound a little harsh, but marriage is long. Let me tell you something. I, I married the most incredible woman on the planet, but you know what? It's only been nine years, and it's been a long time. And, 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 and you can ask Renata. We talk all the time. It's like, you know what? I mean, we fell in love when we were 19. All right, so it's a long, long time ago. And we go, marriage is long. It's only, it's only been nine years. We got like 50 to go. We got children. There we go. We got children to raise. We got grandkids to give gifts to, which is going to cost me a lot of money for a long time. I mean, we got to. You know, like, we got a long way to go is my point. Here's, here's the deal. But your temptation in this season right now, if, if Renata wasn't a burning heart, if, 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 if David wasn't, either way, one of us would be the anchor that slowed the other one down. And I'm telling you, for Renata to accomplish the mission that Jesus has in her life, she needs a guy that's got a heart alive that's not sitting at home on the computer playing, you know, solitaire While I'm watching King of Queens and eating ding-dongs and waiting for, like, a raise. No. No. There's a mission on my life. There's a mission on her life. Right? All right? What she needs, she needs a man of God with a heart alive so that he can go do what God's called him to do and vice versa. There's a mission that God's got on my life. And if I would have married a woman who was so obsessed with what people thought of her and obsessed with how she looked, I'd be hosed. You want to know why? I would not be able to accomplish the mission of going for young people and, and reaching a generation. I wouldn't be able to do it. And I'm still the beginning. I'm in decade one. I got like six decades to go. I'm going to be 90 screaming, marry the right person. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you have this little window right here. And your temptation is, oh, Wow. I've graduated from high school, I've gone through puberty, and I'm, I'm not kidding. I could get married if I wanted to. Whoa. Hey. No. Listen. Don't get into that mindset. Marry the right woman. Marry the right 
man, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Next to following Jesus, this is the longest relationship of your life. You, may, you get that one wrong, you are hosed. It's so important. Now, don't get me wrong. I know God, Jesus does miracles. I know that you could, you know, marry some girl that doesn't love God. And 10 years into it, you know, Jesus appears to her and, you know, says, hey, be godly. And that could happen. And I know that. And she could work at Starbucks and make a vanilla latte and see a cross and be like, I'm so sorry. And all that. And all the weird things I've heard over the years. I, God's going to change her. Oh, whatever. Here's what I tell you this. The truth is. Don't marry a God's going to do something in her one day. Oh, you're crazy. Just don't, just marry, <laughs> marry the girl, marry the girl that you look at her and you go, God's already doing a miracle in her. She's already pursuing God. Because then you know it's not about you. Without you, she's a radical. Without you, she's a man of God. If you, if you see a woman of God, oh, a whole new world. That's where we are. <laughs> Put that on your blog and read that. All right, so. In the next 10 years, many of you, not all, some of you will be like Joe and it'll take longer, but many of you, in the next 10 years, <laughs> good call, that's right. Actually, you're a good example of this. Many of you will be. Of, Many of you will be making these choices, and the reason why, if you've been, been in any way around Renata and I, we just want to pound this into your precious brains, because it's so huge. It's so massive. So, the seventh one of this, and we'll make it the final one, it's getting late, of this, marry the right person, marry the right person, and you really jack up the chances of marrying the right person if you date foolishly. If you date um, out of convenience, if you date out of curiosity, if you date just recreationally for something to do, if you date for the free meal, if you date, <laughs> sorry, a <laughs> couple guys just got convicted. My brother's up here looking at me like, he has lost it. Shut this thing down. Shut this thing down. <laughs> All right, let's stand and pray. <clears throat> You've just heard one of the speakers from Desperation, a ministry of New Life Church in Colorado Springs. For more information on becoming a Desperation intern, attending one of our conferences, or joining the Desperation National Network for local churches, visit us at desperationonline.com.